This is the New Wine Church Planting Podcast, the place of honest conversation with pioneers and planters to equip you as you follow God's call to make disciples and multiply church communities. Well, hello and welcome to the New Wine Church Planting Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Uh, my name is John McGinley and I'm Head of Church Planting Development for New Wine and I'm hosting this podcast. And in New Wine, we believe that the kingdom of God multiplies. And one of the clearest senses of uh, the multiplication that God is bringing is when a church sends a team of people to plant a new Christian community to reach a new group of people with the gospel and sees a church planted and established. And we really believe that God is leading us into more of that through uh, new wine and the relationships he's brought together. But one of the challenges that we have is when we hear that phrase church planting, the danger is, is that we can hear it just through the lens of what we uh, have uh, experienced. And if we're in certain streams or denominations, we might hear church planting as big budget and uh, big teams and professional fully paid team members. And actually what God is doing around the world is so much more varied than that. And in this country, if we're going to see the nation re-evangelized, we're going to need every form of church planting, whether that's fresh expressions or pioneering or resource churches um, or whatever call that God begins to put upon a person's life. And today we're going to look at the subject of bivocational training, where somebody isn't full-time paid as the leader of a church, but is still called by God to plant a new Christian community. And as they do that, how do we see them trained? How do we see them supported so that that is actually a life-giving and positive experience for them and for their church members? So we have a great group of people who've come together for this, and I'm going to get them to introduce themselves to you. So first of all, uh, Lucy, why don't you introduce yourself, your context and and your church planting experience? Hi. uh, Hi, John. Thanks. I'm Lucy Pepiat. Um, I live in Bristol and we my husband is ordained in the Anglican Church, Nick Crawley. So uh, we have a church, a small kind of community um, in Bristol here and I'm also the principal of WTC Westminster Theological Centre where I teach Christian doctrine. Fantastic so as you've mentioned WTC let's go to Anthony next. Good morning good morning thank you John so my name's Anthony Parkinson Uh, my wife and I are families pastors at New Day Church in Preston Um, As you said, I'm a student at WTC, currently studying the graduate diploma in church planting and leadership, and I've also been previously involved in three church plants, two of which my wife and I have led outright. Wonderful. Okay, over to you and Kate. Hi, um, yes, I'm Kate Gennardu. I'm married to Philip Gennardu. And uh, we're the the sort of co-founders and leaders of Woodlands Metro, which is a a recent church plant out of uh, Woodlands main church. Um, I've been involved in church planting since I was about 20, planting CUs in schools and after school kind of Christian groups. And then we were involved in planting sort of congregations within the main Woodlands congregation. So we were doing that before we started Woodlands Metro. And I'm from Bristol, by the way. 
Wonderful. And then finally, Dom. Hi, John. Uh, I'm Dom Palmer and uh, I live up in Manchester. Uh, I work as a secondary school teacher uh, teaching English and my wife Hannah and I lead Upper Room Church in Cheatham Hill, which is a, a really diverse area of Manchester in the inner city. Uh, Hannah's a scientist, so she's working in the lab today, uh, but I'm on half term, so you've got me. Fantastic. So a real variety of experience there. And so let's get into um, something of what your church planting experience has been, just as people listen from their context. Um, what, have, what have you been up to in the past, Anthony? You mentioned you've been involved in three church plants in the past. So give us a little summary of what your church planting experience has been. Sure. So um, we, were, we were previously involved in a um, uh, quite a well-known ministry to the the marginalized and people with addiction issues and so our church planting context has been there and whilst um we weren't bivocational one of the things that the ministry we used to work with did was actually uh simultaneously as we church plant and do community together we had uh social enterprises that we started from scratch and ran uh, to actually finance the work we were doing so um, quite familiar with that so my my church planting context has, has been there so um uh, one of the the the, the, the question that i'm answering is about you know where where and when did i feel called into church planting and um and i think that um i've always felt called uh, into leadership i've always supported uh, church growth in in churches and served other leadership teams and um, but just a few years ago, we just felt like we'd exhausted everything that we could possibly do in serving our, our church, uh, the one that we've been serving for 15 years. And actually, there was no more that we could do that would improve upon what we'd already done. So we thought the, the, the next thing really would be to to do a plant and to lead. Um, the other thing was that Woodlands was pretty full. There was no spare seats. And uh, we thought we were actually at capacity. There's no room for us on any more leadership teams. Every role is filled. So the, the, the best thing would be to just to go ahead and plant. And it's funny because you, you just there's the practical element to it, you know, just do it because it seems obvious. And then there's the sort of mystical element where you sort of get dreams and people speak to you and prophecies come and everything just seemed to fit together. And so we, we did it. We just went off and planted. Um. The story for Hannah and I has been a little bit different. Uh, so we moved together to Manchester uh, after university with a group of five friends, uh, seven of us in total who'd, who'd met at university. And, and uh, one of the group uh, was a family friend of a vicar called John Brett, who leads the Antioch Network in the Diocese of Manchester. Uh, and that felt like a good fit for the, the kind of things that God had put on our hearts as a, a, little, a little team, I suppose, if you like. Uh, but all you know, as we moved up, we we very much didn't want to lead anything. We were like, we're 21 years old. Let's not try and go somewhere that we don't know and and just start something new. Let's find somewhere we can kind of tuck in and and serve and support. Um, so uh, so it was really John who gathered the team uh, for Upper Room Church in Cheatham Hill, and and we sort of launched uh, leaderless, I guess, if you like. Um, fast forward about eight months or so, the church plant was doing okay, we were, things were good, but there was still this question mark over leadership and we were starting to feel as a community, you know, that the seven of us and quite a few others who had, had joined in that team or from the local community a, a little bit stuck on that. And that was the point at which 
Hannah and I started to feel the nudge of like, oh, may maybe it's you. So really for us, that there wasn't so much a kind of call to bivocational church planting as it was. We were both working. We were both part of a church community. There was a need for leadership. So just trying to be open to the spirit in our circumstances and through our community, really. We uh, so Nick and I had parishes. He he's the one who's ordained, and I trained as a lay minister in my twenties. And we had parishes in. We he started in Twickenham as a curate. We went to Harare in Zimbabwe. Then we went to inner city Sheffield. So we had done lots of sort of different things, and it was really in Sheffield uh, where we got to know the Breens, Mike and Sally Breen, and everything that was going on in um, St Thomas's because they were just up the hill. And over those years, those five years, I think both of us did actually feel a call to come out of parish systems and do something that didn't really look like parish ministry anymore. And we, we really didn't know what we were doing. I can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but we sort of were riding on, I don't know if you remember back in, oh gosh, where are we? 2004, fresh expressions and, you know, everyone thinking that we could all just go and try something new, which was great. So we were very high on enthusiasm and very low on expertise. And um, we, uh, but we, we've never gone back to parish. So uh, something about this last 17 years of um, being in the Anglican system still, but actually doing something very different in just having small communities, um, exclusively of young people actually, um, has been an amazing journey for us and so we're we're really committed to what we're doing well i just love the variety of everything that you've just shared and uh and for and for people who are listening i think that that's so helpful because there isn't a single pathway into church leadership or planting um it really is something that the spirit begins to do in different ways and prepares us in different ways so as we begin to think about uh leading church bivocationally. Uh, let's think about the, the gift of this, the, the advantages, the joys of this. We're going to come on to the, the challenges, um, so we're going to tell the truth about this um, uh, today. But let, let's start with a sense of why God might call us to do this, and we're going to start with Kate, and then others can follow on. I am a massive, massive advocate for bivocational ministry. So I've been a bivocational minister for 30 years. So my other uh, role is I've been in education for the same amount of time. And it's been a lovely overlap. First of all, there's an overlap of competencies and I've had lots of training in the education system, which I brought to bear in ministry. When I was a children's minister, I used all my early years training uh, to set up all those kind of early years venues for the kids. Um, so I just think bivocational, it adds, it enhances the ministry that you do in church. It takes away that division of paid professional Christians versus everybody else. Um, you have less capacity if you're not full time. So in Metro, when we started, all of us were bivocational. Every six members of the core team were bivocational. Some of us, including myself, were working five days a week. 
we just didn't have capacity so we had to pull in other people all the time and we create opportunities and 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 actually i think that we were at our most prolific at the beginning when we had a limited capacity because we were literally pulling so many people into ministry into all forms of worship ministry uh, prayer ministry uh, pastoral ministry because we needed people to help us so I think it just creates opportunities also it broadens your ministry because you're not just reaching your congregation it, it basically for Metro it serves the wider vision of, of of what we stand for which is we want to be here to serve the city so a lot of our leadership team have other roles where we serve the city for example you know Matt is part of Fair Share we've got Tilly who's part of the food bank so we, we can serve a wider vi uh, vision of our church ministry if we're actually in uh, those roles that are out in our community as well so I love bivocational I think it's absolutely crucial for church. That's amazing, Kate. And and for the others, that, that's a pretty full answer. But share your experience of how that connects with what, Kate, and fill in what, what your thoughts are around this type of ministry. So, Lucy. Um, I love what you said, Kate, and I think that was exactly things that we've learned. Um, but what was challenging for us was coming out of a system where it wasn't like that at all, you know. And so I would say... Um, those were things that were we had to learn over quite a lot of time because we'd come out of an Anglican. Well, and to some extent, Nick was still in the Anglican sort of structures back then. So when we started for seven years, he was on a stipend. So that kind of shows you the sort of different um, structures that we were part of. But I think actually having then come out of that, and he now has his own ministry and I have my own job. And, and like you say, we don't actually have all the time in the world for CrossNet, which has released a lot of creativity. I think it's, um, it's released a lot of other people into helping us exactly what Kate said. I think it, it sort of puts you in touch with the world a bit more. Um, and it, uh, it means, I don't know, I think it also you bring other things into church. It, it, I, I, having been in parish life um, and had a family in parish life, the parish life is very all-consuming for you as a family. And I feel that what we're doing now gives us different dimensions to our own family life as well as our church life. And for me, that's enormously welcome um, because I think that parish life can get quite sort of um, all consuming. Yeah, I would say. Uh, and this has been a nice, refreshing, different way of doing things. Yeah, I would I'd completely agree with what um, Lucy and Kate have said about about bringing other people in and making church life really kind of emphasize the, the community and the participation of the whole community. Uh, you know, when Hannah and I felt God saying to us, like, maybe it's you who who could lead, who should lead this community. Um, we were thinking, well, God, you've put us in full time jobs and we don't want to burn out. That wouldn't be good for anybody. So we're going to need to find a way to do this on like half a day a week or so. So what does that mean? And for us, it just means lots and lots of getting other people involved in things and trying to do as little as we can ourselves. Um, so, you know, Paul writes in Ephesians about the, the body of Christ being grown to maturity as each part does its work, which can sometimes feel like, uh, you know, lovely high-minded idealism. For us, it's just 
pragmatic necessity. We couldn't do it any other way. Um, and I also completely agree about, uh, you know, discipleship in the whole of life, you know, as I suppose bivocational leaders, we're, we're not thinking about church stuff all the time. We're thinking, I'm thinking about teaching, Hannah's thinking about science and her colleagues and project management. And so I suppose we perhaps are quite well placed to equip and to, and to enable and to facilitate our, our, the rest of our church community in the places they go every day and the things that they do every day because we're in that same place. Um, I, I just want to agree with everything really everybody said and I think the the only thing I would add to it uh, for us uh, I think we and think thinking back into the the individual times we did it with our the, the specific teams there was just a healthy sense of chaos um, it, it sounds a bit mad but um, you know it was really good and uh, like Kate said, it, it, it drafts in the creativity. You're, you're forced to bring others in. You can't, you're not quite structured and institutionalized, so you can't control everything. You need to uh, depend on others. And so it's just a bit mad, it's a bit chaotic. But the other thing that we really loved was the intimacy at that point. Um, you know, we just, we just had such a, a great sense of intimacy, everyone really working for and serving one another trying to get things off the ground and things moving and 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 people in and sort of develop the the context of church so um yeah we really loved that that really does sound like church and sounds like what church should look a bit more like actually and the, and i think one of those challenges that that the professionals who get the full-time paid roles is that it does become professional it does become too uh, much about what they can deliver and that limits the body and what we've heard from you guys is that this is the body of Christ at work and I love that healthy side uh, sort of sign of um, chaos and that experience of chaos Anthony that that feels much more like what the church should look like and in the leading of the spirit so that's good but there are challenges and uh, and this is not going to be easy and so uh, let's reflect a little bit about the, the challenges and uh, Lucy, Lucy, why don't you kick us off? Um, well, a huge number of challenges we had. I have to try and I was thinking this through when I saw your question. I thought, which, which ones shall I choose? Uh, I mentioned that we, we, you know, we came out of certain structures to do what we were doing. And this was quite a long time ago, 17 years ago. Um, one of the challenges was that the Anglican system was not really well prepared for us. And so we were not very well prepared for what we found ourselves doing. Um, and that was a huge challenge. We we didn't really have any like-minded people around us to help as it were um, we made lots and lots of mistakes that that's challenging uh, we we hit our own limitations um, for nick it was it was very difficult uh, because there were lots of expectations that we would grow um, in a certain way and we didn't and we ended up 
really having ministry to smaller groups of younger people which became over time extremely rewarding um, and something which we've learned to really love and embrace but when you come from a background that assumes that if you go and plant you know within certain number of years you'll have grown to a certain number etc um, that's a lot of pressure and so to embrace a different model took us a long time um, and another challenge was that nobody of our own age joined us and so and I think I came to I think it was something to do with children and we had older primary school and teenagers and um, I think people wanted and so no other kids with us and um, yeah that anyway I could talk a lot about that that was a fascinating journey for us um, and all our all our boys are strong Christians and walking with the Lord and walked it with us which was amazing as a family but they had no peers in the church uh, so and we still don't have kids although now we're having the people having babies so a new challenge is coming which is wonderful um, but yeah so I think I'll stop there because that's enough <laughs> Yeah, so uh, very much the same as Lucy, uh, coming from a larger network of churches with a set way of doing things, you suddenly you're out on a limb on your own and, and it's like, well, we do things this way, but actually you, you can't do that anymore. And so we, um, it's sort of a, a, a bewildered way, we, we kind of bungled our way through the first few years, just learning from our mistakes and just uh, learning to lean on the Lord and his grace. Um, I think the biggest frustration and challenge for us was was family life. You know, that was the, the biggest cost. Um, and it was probably something, particularly for myself, uh, I'm quite a, a natural workaholic. Um, so uh, I was go, go, go and let's get things done. And so th there was a massive cost to, to Angie and the children. And, you know, our family was growing, of course, through this time. We were having more kids, uh, so that that was really difficult. And I think I I learned that lesson um, too late. Fortunately, not outright too late, but um, obviously I can't. You know, you can't take those years back. And Hannah and I have been leading up a room since last February. Uh, so one of our main challenges has been that about a month in lockdown happened. So that's obviously been. Uh, you know that's that's thrown all kinds of spanners in the works but there's no you know no need to elaborate on that too much but uh, i think the number one thing for us probably has been time and um, both of us working full-time uh bivocational ministry or leadership and things can can sound really creative and innovative but it's really difficult to create an, an innovate to create and innovate when you don't have the headspace to to dream or to take steps back and to think you know what is God doing here or where are we going as a community so I think that has been our number one challenge finding the headspace to 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 actually be as creative uh, and as, as innovative as as it sounds I am um, I just I just want to say I so resonate Lucy over the whole 
no peers. And so the consequence of that was that nobody our age was, was coming. In fact, I had a few really, really good friends who did support me because they knew I was lonely, but it was hard. And sometimes you don't really like the way it's done. We basically hand over to our team and say, make it the way that you would make church. And, and actually, Philip and I don't really like it that way. And, but we have to accept that we do it their way because we're not making this church for us. So, you know, and the other thing I was going to say that was, it was exhausting. The first year was very tiring. And some of us came quite close to the edge, really. I remember being in a one-to-one prayer sort of counseling session praying for a girl and I actually fell asleep on her and I woke myself up and I've been talking nonsense and I thought I've just fallen asleep praying because I was so tired working five days a week working five hours a night setting up church and it took time it took time to get to know people we had a brand new congregation we didn't we didn't know where they came from they just arrived and so we had to train up get to know um, you know, befriend and disciple all these people. Um, all the jobs needed to be done. We needed to let everybody know how to set up and set down a PA system, but everybody needed training to do everything. And it was absolutely exhausting. But once we'd skilled everybody up, you know, no one was allowed to come in and do nothing. Once everybody knew how to do everything, we were sailing, we were away. But that was really, really exhausting. And I think the thing I was not expecting was how you really needed to establish your values and that they would be contested. You've got a community of young people who they know it's new, they want to shape it. And actually we had to be quite firm about establishing and being very strong in keeping the, the, the values that this really was church, not a social club. Um, we really mean what we say, we're here to disciple. We're here to disciple Bristol. Um, so, and it was hard sometimes because you felt you didn't have time to really go deep with people and explain. And I remember offending, you know, some people because they said, I, I don't see why it has to be like this. Um, but yeah, so it, there, were, there were time restraints and there were things that, that, that needed a lot more time than we had to give, um, but they were worth it. And I think, you know, after we got past that first year, we felt more established and it got easier. Again, really rich experience and real resonances across all of you about the needing needing to learn. And that's what we're meant to be as disciples. But actually, that's a tough learning curve. And while you're in leadership, uh, something of the, of the pressure on time and the pressures of, of to actually develop and grow and learn. Uh, and and yet having limited time for that and the risks of burnout and and how we do this with family on that journey and how how we do it in the midst of all the the other things that we're responsible for real challenges what was what was support and training like for you at the time that you've done this uh, so we're going to come on to some of the support and training that's now available but as you went through that process a number of you've reflected that actually there wasn't much at the time and so uh, could you just share something about the support that you either had or that you needed and you recognised you had to go and find as you went through that? And we're going to start with Dom. Thanks, John. Um, well, I think uh, that, the, you know, the friends that we have moved here with and the friends that we've made as part of the uh, church community up here in Cheatham Hill have been, you know, invaluable. Um, as well as another John, John Brett, who um, leads the, the kind of side of the Antioch network that we're part of. Um, he gives you know we have regular meetings with him to you know bounce ideas around and get his support um also i'd like to i i think i'd like to go back as well to actually our um our formative church families growing up um hannah and i both grew up in a in a church in 
a church plant uh, that was planted by a sort of the spearheading of that really was by uh, a, a group of working people in the local area um, and it was a church community that went through a couple of fairly long periods of interregnum between ordained ministers so we grew up in an environment that had a really strong ethos of of shared leadership and of um, participation from the whole community so Hannah and I led worship teams we preached sometimes we led services we were involved in serving in children's groups and and it, there was a sense really of, um, of, of that shared participation and, and shared leadership that I think has been really formative for us. Uh, we also met because Hannah's dad became the vicar of that church. So it was kind of the gift that has just kept on giving. Yeah, I'm really lucky. Um, I've been in Woodlands a long time, so I've got lots of very established uh, friendships and we're very enmeshed. You know, the leaders all know each other. So my you know philip is still meets very regularly with uh, the senior team he's part of the senior leadership um i meet with other women leaders who lead around the congregation so and we've all sort of got access to rob um and i've got access to other leaders who've got significant church plant experience so i do feel i've got a lot of expertise at my fingertips which i can avail and actually i i i have felt uh, during my journey i thought oh could do with a little bit more biblical knowledge and input and I'm actually doing a, a master's in theology at the moment because I felt I just needed a little bit of an edge um, and I felt it's really enhanced um, my my ability to lead and um, I'm really glad I've done it um, but I, I have felt very supportive from a number of sort of sources so I can't complain on that front. <laughs> I'd uh... I'd add to what um, Kate said, really. Uh, we obviously, from a network of churches, we had senior leadership we could go to who would support, um, but it was really the, the team on the ground with us that were, you know, our, our greatest sense of support and, um, you know, upholding us that, you know, we could, we'd laugh together, we'd cry together, we'd work through stuff together. Um, and uh, also similarly to Kate, uh, having no uh, theological training previously, um, actually coming to uh, WTC really, really helped me. Um, if, if nothing more than just to make me pause and reflect in a, in a deeper way, um, biblically, um, ecclesiologically, uh, ministerially, and just, you know, help me stop and think okay and have uh, a, a deeper resource and well of knowledge to draw from um and you know it's it's allowed me to apply it practically so that i mean that has been absolutely massive for me um for us in terms of training so i'd separate training and support we had no training um for planting so Nick had done his ordination training, obviously in the 80s. Uh, so that was that I think was a, a big gap and something which would have really helped. Um, but we both of us have studied um, and I've studied uh, a lot. And I was actually finishing a master's and doing my PhD during the first years of um planting in Bristol and and obviously I love you know I love that and I love what it gave us and Nick also did a, a master's as well 
And I think that that has given us, um, in a sense, that was training, not, it was like a sort of oblique sense of training, not a direct way of this is how to plant a church, but it's given us huge number of tools for discipling and mentoring and growing and nurturing people in the faith. And, um, and that has been really the main aspects of our ministries. So that's been wonderful. Um, and support, we have had support from all sorts of different quarters, um, but I would say mainly our families actually. So we're both from very big, close families and um, they were really, really supportive of us in what we were doing. Um, so that was wonderful. And then we've also plugged into Woody's, which was great. So Nick made friends at Woody's and we had a support, we had a group, a new wine group actually uh, meeting there, which has been amazing over the last few years. And Dave Mitchell runs that brilliantly. Fantastic. And just to encourage people who are listening to, to, as you feel called to plant, do try and find the people who are going to be your network. Don't, don't, don't do it in isolation. It's not that God won't call you. You don't have to be um, uh, sort of authorized in terms of ordained. You don't have to have gone through all the traditional routes. God really is doing lots and lots of different ways of planting. But find your people, find the network, because you will need that support. And, and training comes at different times. I'm really interested that that's, that's a reflection from, uh, from the different people on the, uh, the contributing, is that it doesn't all have to come up front. Uh, it can come at different points. And Lucy, why don't you just share us some, something about how WTC is now resourcing and providing training for planters? We've, um, yeah, we've started a new course a couple of years ago, and I'm really excited about this uh, because it's a graduate diploma in church planting and leadership. So all our degrees and diplomas are part time. So uh, one year takes two years. So they're perfectly designed for people who are very busy um, and busy in their work life or ministry life or whatever. So it fits around. Uh, what people are already doing, which I think is great. So um, it's a, it's if the first year of our graduate diploma is a good, strong foundation in theology, in New Testament, Old Testament, Christian doctrine and spiritual formation. And then in the second year, it's still theological and biblical, but it's also very practically orientated. And perhaps Anthony can say a little bit more about that because he's actually on the course. Um, and, uh, and so I think it's a fantastic opportunity. I don't think there's anything quite like it. Um, so I think we're pioneering this as a course and I'm very excited about that. Uh, gathering like-minded people, people who can share experiences all over the UK. Um, and also it'll be a chance for people to form cohorts that they can then journey with beyond the grad dip, which I'm, I, you know, I'm excited about that as well. And thinking about, in, you know, that whole question of support and who walks this journey with us. Um, so I love the idea of going and training with a cohort and then them you know, journeying with you in the years beyond that. Fantastic. Anthony, why don't you just share just a little bit of your experience? Um, it, 
it's been mind blowing, really. I, I was uh, sort of a, a bit of a reticent student. And my wife felt I should study. I wanted to study, but really didn't think I had the time. And uh, this course was suggested to me and uh, it, it, it looked great. And, and really, it's, it's been one of the most enriching experiences of my ministerial journey. And as, as, as Lucy said, you, you get a really sound uh, base in theology. Um, and actually, it's great because one of the things that's encouraged is, you know, challenge your own views, you know, dare to think a bit bigger. Um, so I'm, I'm part of the first cohort that actually did this. Uh, we're now in the second year, uh, as Lucy suggested, it is a little more practical. Um, and again, that, that really helps in context, you know, certainly where I am now. But the, the other lovely thing, Lucy's absolutely right. We're with a, a group of people that are all on the same page. They're all, you know, thinking about church planting or want to go into it or have done it. And so we actually get to shape and support one another. Um, it's, it's been mind-blowing for me, really eye-opening and mind-blowing. Well, Lucy, you couldn't have had a better endorsement. That's fantastic, Anthony, thank you. Um, we're gonna come into land now. And uh, one of the visions that, that I have for New Wine is that we might begin to see perhaps a number of different residencies, um, a, a more mature version of internship, partner with WTC over a couple of years for people who want to take that first step into planting, be based at a new wine hub church so they get a network of support and then they go into their planting journey with some training alongside that. And so if that's of any interest to you, then we'd love to hear from you. Do get in touch with me uh, through new wine. And uh, the other thing to say is that we're building up resources online. New Wine has a new New Wine online platform. It's a fantastic resource. And so if you're looking for resources for your own uh, training and development, then we want to um, make those available to you. And there's going to be specific church planting resources at uh, New Wine online. So do sign up for that uh, and look out for that. I'm going to pray for us as we finish. So let me pray uh, for you. Lord, thank you that you are moving by your spirit in our nation. Thank you for seeing your church uh, develop in new forms and new ways. Thank you for the vision you're giving that we can see new communities birth that will reach people with the gospel. And I pray for each person who is listening to this. Holy Spirit of God, would you come upon them? Would you fan into flame that call uh, that you've put upon their lives? Would you release in them creativity and vision and lead them in their thinking and their sense of call into the way that you are uh, opening up in front of them? We pray for your provision for them, for training, for networks, uh, for the people around them in what you're calling them to do. And we ask your blessing upon them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Lucy, Dom, Anthony, Kate, thank you so much for giving time in the midst of all you've shared, which has been uh, so wonderful. Uh, we are really grateful uh, to what you've brought to us today. And to everybody who's listening, do join us next month for another Church Planting podcast from New Wine. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to share it with your friends, family and colleagues. We'll be back next month with another episode, so make sure to subscribe for future updates. God bless.